You're listening to the Elevate Main Podcast. To learn more about Elevate, visit our website at www.elevate.org.ph. We hope you enjoy today's talk. Good evening, SNS. What's up? Okay lang kayo? Uh, tingnan niyo po yung katabi niyo. I-check niyo po kung gising na po sila for Saturday night service. Uh, hindi niyo tiningnan. So, ibig sabihin tulog pa sila. Well, it's it's such an honor and privilege to be here with you all this evening. And we are continuing in our series called what? Change Makers. We are discussing the lives of these heroes of the Bible. People who God used in their day, in their time to make a difference. Now, I want to start off our time here today by asking you a question. If you have seven days before the end of the world, what do you do? Can you ask the person next to you, if you only had seven days before the end of everything that you know, what are you going to do? Come on. Come on, guys. You're going to have to help me out. What are you going to do if, in fact, someone told you that it's going to be the end of the world in seven days? What would you do? Now, I hear some of you, I'm going to eat lechon. I'm going to attend the pot bless next week. That will be my last meal. Yeah? What are you going to do? You're going to say, I love you to your loved ones. You're probably going to do some bucket list things, you know, like, I don't know, go on a food tour, go hiking somewhere. I don't know. But for the story that we're going to be discussing for today, this is exactly what happened in the world. There was a limited time before God would do something catastrophic, cataclysmic in His day, and He only revealed it to one guy. Imagine if you were that one guy. Now, why would God do such a thing? If you check Genesis, this is where we're going to spend part of our time here in chapter 6. Now, you must know Genesis is the book of beginnings. And just six chapters in, we find this very sad and unfortunate description. Starting with verse 5, the Lord saw the wickedness. Everyone say wickedness. The wickedness of man was great on the earth. And that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only what? Good? No. Evil continually. We, we, we have to check here that God, as He scans the whole world, and as He looks into the heart of man, all that He sees is evil continually. Now, if you check this verse and how it applies to you, what if God looked into your heart today, what would He see? Nako, nakakatakot, no? What if God peeked into our innermost thoughts, and what would He say about us? Well, He saw the thoughts Of every man, it was evil continually. In verse 6, it says that the Lord was what? Sorry that He had made man on earth and that He was grieved in His heart. In other words, God looks into the heart of man and it breaks God's heart. He saw that humanity had so been twisted and corrupted, had been so evil that the Bible uses this language. He was sorry. Some translations translate this as He regretted or He was remorseful of what he did. Now, this is baby talk to let us understand how God feels about wickedness, about sin. 
And further on in verse 7, the Lord said, because of all the rampant wickedness that he saw, what was he going to do? The Lord said, let's all read this together. I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to birds of the sky, for I'm sorry that I have made them. In other words, God was saying, all of this is so evil that I have to put an end to it. Otherwise, who will? You see, this passage shows us that sin is grievous and sorrowful to God. It breaks God's heart. And there will come a point in time where God will have to do something about evil. Now, many people ask nowadays, they'll say, well, if God is so good, why is there evil? Have you heard that one? Right? If God is so good, why is there, why is there evil? Why is there suffering? Well, the technical answer to that is, if, there, if God would wipe out all evil, He would wipe out all of us. He would wipe out me, you, all of us. We stand before a holy and righteous God, and we are sinful. And so we come to the main question for today. If we are living in such a world as this, where everyone everywhere is thinking about wickedness, doing their own thing, how then can I live counter-culturally? Can you ask that to the person seated next to you? How do I live counter to the culture around me? How do I go against the peer pressure of my friends telling me to do this and to go here and to do that? Everybody's doing it anyway. How can I be politically correct at the workplace not to offend anybody? How, how can I be acceptable in all of this culture nowadays which is very woke? How can I be counter-cultural? Or dear friends, if you're going to be a solid, genuine Christ follower, you're going to have to be countercultural. You're going to have to stand against the crowd. You're going to have to stand firm on the unchanging word of God. Amen po ba? Well, I heard two people say amen. The rest of you, bahala na. Right? And that is what this man, Noah, everyone say Noah. This is what he did in his lifetime. He was a solid change maker because he stood against the culture. In fact, his name stands for rest, relief, comfort. In the midst of such wickedness and corruption in the world that no one knew, his name stood out. He was the odd one out. He was the rare, weird, strange fellow whose name meant rest. And our main topic, our main idea for today is this. Emulating the life of Noah, he went against the tide. Let's all read this together. Go against the, the flow. What's the main message today? Go against the flow. This world that we live in today is not far from the days of Noah. In fact, I would dare say we're getting there. The society and civilization is getting bad. Everyone is opposing God and His ways. If you're a Christian, you're going to be ridiculed, you're going to be laughed at. And that is why this message is so important. We need to go against the, the flow. Now, our main passage, which is our memory verse also for today, is Hebrews 11.7, which we read earlier. 
And from this short passage, we will get four principles on how to go against the flow. How to live in accordance to God's ways, which is counter-cultural. Now, if we're going to be living against the flow, if we're going to go against the flow, number one, we have to heed the warning from God. Okay? This is the warning from God. Verse 7, the first part of that, by faith, let's all read this together. By faith, being what? Warned by God about things not yet seen. Now, we have to get this straight, folks. The very first thing that happens here is by faith. Everyone say, by faith. In Noah, believing in God, the first thing that happened was he was warned by God. The word here for warned is it's a, it's this divine communication. It is not open to all. Okay? In other words, this is a personal DM from God. It's a personal, intimate communication. It's as if you're calling someone here, hey, come here, come here. I want to share with you the inside scoop. I'm going to share with you. I'll let you in on a little secret just between you and me. That's what God did with Noah. He warned him of the things that are yet seen. Now, we look at Genesis 6, verse 11 to 12, and it says, again, the earth was corrupt. It was filled with violence. All flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. There was an exploding population of wicked people. There was sexual exploitation everywhere. There was demonic activity. All of the world was eventually going to kill one another because it was so violent and corrupted. And it's at this point in Genesis 6 verse 13 that God said to Noah. God spoke to Noah. And this is what God said. Let's all read this together. The end of all flesh has what? Has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I'm about to destroy them with the earth. God has to deal with evil at some point. And this is the way he does it. He is about to destroy the entire earth. But he tells Noah about it. And as we read further in Genesis 6 verse 14, this is what God instructs Noah to do. Let's all read this together. Genesis 6, 14, make for yourself a, an ark. Everyone say ark. Now, just to fill you in on the context, an ark here literally means a box, a vessel, a chest. It's a rectangular box. And God says to Noah, make this ark, make this box of gopher wood, and you shall make the ark with rooms, you shall cover it inside and out with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. Now, again, just to fill in the context here, Noah, by scholars and by theologians, they say that Noah lived in the middle of the desert. Okay? He lived in the middle of the desert near Mesopotamia, and he was hundreds of miles away from any ocean. And God tells him, make an ark. Let's see further. He says, you shall make this ark with wood and cover it with pitch. The word here, pitch, is very interesting. It's the same word for covering or atonement. That's very interesting. He says, put it inside and out with covering so that perhaps this ark or this box may float. 
Okay? And then he says, this is how you shall make it. In fact, in verse 17, if you read onwards, this is why God instructs Noah to make an ark. Let's all read this together. Behold, I, even I, am bringing the flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life from under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall perish. Man, if God told you the world was going to end, what would you do? God warns Noah, tells him he's to build a box, and tells him because there's going to be a flood. Now, when the first thing that Noah would have thought is what is a flood? You know why? It had never even flooded before his time. Do you get that? In fact, it had never even rained in Noah's time. Genesis 2.6 says, there was a covering of mist over the earth. Noah had never experienced any rain or any flood. Hindi pa po siya nakakapag-swimming. Hindi po tulad natin sa Pilipinas, sanay na po tayo sa flood. Oh, kamusta na yung baha dyan? Oh, abot ng tuhod. Oh, lampas tao na. No, no, no. For Noah, he had never experienced this before. And that's why Hebrews 11 says, God warned him of things yet unseen. Hindi niya pa po nakikita to. Hindi niya pa na-experience to. But God gave him the inside scoop that there would be a flood. And it's at this point that those who are skeptic or those who are opposed to the Bible as God's word, they will say, well, this is just a fable. This is just a legend and a myth. Why do we believe such nonsense that the world was flooded at one point in history? Well, guess what? You can tell your agnostic or atheistic friends, this is attested to by multiple cultures and tribes in our history. Do you see this map? I'll show you the map. A map of world flood myths, oral traditions in every continent speaks about one time when the world was flooded. Can you believe it? In every continent, over 270 tribes speak of a certain flood that happened at a certain time which destroyed almost all human and terrestrial life except for a few, including a few animals. They were able to survive by a boat and then the, the flood subsided. It is fantastic. From the Hawaiians to the Aztecs to the Greeks, to the Babylonians, to the Chinese, to the Aborigines, to the Fijians. All of these tribes attest to a flood that happened at one point in time. Isn't this amazing? Dear friends, when you open your Bible, this is the Word of God. You can believe it for what it says because it's true. In fact, when they uncover archaeologically and geologically they will see seashells on top of mountaintops. How can you explain that? And then when, when the scientists look at the layers of sedimentary rock, they will see, wow, there is a time that there was a high jump. There was a flood. This is scientifically proven, dear friends. And that's the Bible. And so we have to stand at the Word of God. When God says something, it will come to pass. Amen po ba? Right? And so God tells Noah there's going to be a flood, so you better get ready. 
In fact, 2 Peter, the Apostle Peter in the New Testament affirms this. And he says, He, God, did not spare the ancient world, but preserved who? Noah. And in verse 5, with seven unders, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. Peter the Apostle says, this happened. And then further on, in verse 9, let's all read this together. Then the Lord knows how to rescue who? The godly from temptations, or the word there is trials, from hardship. He warns us in order to rescue us. But look at this. He keeps the unrighteous under punishment for the day of what? A day of judgment. And verse 10 says, especially those who indulge the flesh in its corrupt desires and despise authority. Two cases here, two categories. For the godly, God warns them. For those who are faithful to God, He warns them of impending judgment. But for the unrighteous, for the ungodly, they are reserved for a day of judgment. Take heed of the warnings of God, dear friends. It is the way that God speaks to us, to reach out to us, to wake us up from our sinful ways. That whenever He allows something to happen in our lives, it is to get our attention. So, pakisahe po sa katabi niyo, please, wake up already. Lalo na yung nakakatulog na. Okay? Wake up. Take heed of the warning of God. Okay? In fact, at this point, in our first point, the warnings from God, pause and ponder right now. Just think through this, guys. How is God calling my attention in any aspect of my life today? Is there anything that God is pointing at and says, hey, this is displeasing to me? Is there any way that God is warning you? Have you received any warnings from God? Sometimes warnings from God come from internal conviction. Sometimes it comes externally from our friends, our D group, our accountability partners, our parents, our authorities. How has God warned you this day? You know, just a few years ago, about 14, 15 years ago, I was just like you. But in fact, I wasn't here sitting up front. Yung mga up front, these are the holy ones. Okay? They, they, they come early, they sit up front. Amen? Can I get an amen, guys? In fact, nandun ako sa pinakadulo. And the only reason why I went to service at CCF with my family is because they coerced me. I mean, they, 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 they prayed for me. Okay? And in fact, they prayed with me so much that after the service, there would be a free meal. Uh, we would attend the Vesper service in St. Francis back then, 6 p.m. That's why I love SNS. It's almost like Vesper, but on Saturday. And after the Vesper, the evening service, we would go out to dinner. And I had a free dinner. Libre ng nanay ko at kuya ko. So sabi ko, sige na nga, punta na ako sa service. I'll just sit through the hour. I won't listen to the preacher. I don't believe in any of that nonsense. And I'll just sit through it. And then I'll have the free meal after. That was me. Nandun po sa dulo. Minsan hindi niyo po nakikita. Nasa CR lang ako, nag-hang out ako dyan. Walking around. Until day by day, Saturday, Sunday by Sunday, after I would attend again and again, some of the words that the preacher would say, that, that was Pastor Peter, it would penetrate my heart. And I would get convicted so much. And I said, no, 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 no. I don't want anything to do with that Christianity stuff. I'm, I'm, 
I want my life right now. If you know anything about my past life, I was a drunkard, I was a druggie, and I was sleeping around. I didn't want anything to do with God. But God was getting my attention. Every Sunday that I would attend, even with wrong motives, God was calling my attention. And so much so that back in 2009, my mom comes to me. And she is happy. Sabi niya, anak, binilhan kita ng ticket. Wow, free ticket. Count me in. Until I saw the free ticket, it said, end times. <laughs> this was back in 2009, 2009, CCF had an end times conference. Ako naman, sabi ko, wow, I love apocalyptic movies. I love all of that end of the world stuff. Count me in, mom. I attended that two-day conference. And I, that was the pinnacle of my conviction. Sabi ko, oh my goodness. If God were to return any day now, and He could come any time, if He came and I was in the middle of my sin and my drunkenness and my drugs and sex, man, I'd be judged. I'd be punished. I would suffer hell. I knew it within my heart. I was corrupted, wicked, and sinful. And that is how God got my attention. You get what I'm saying? Is God warning you today? You see, God cares about you so much. He loves you that He warns you of the impending judgment. Hebrews says, it is appointed for man to die once and then judgment. Whether God comes before then or you die, you will face judgment and that is the warning of God for us. So take note, dear friends. If you have your phones right now, put it in the notes section about this question. How is God warning me today? In what way is God calling my attention? You see, 2 Peter 3 verse 8 to 9 says this, Do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved. With the, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years like a day. The Lord is not slow about His promise, but... As some count slowness, but is patient toward you. Sabihin niyo po sa katabi niyo, the Lord is patient with you. And the Lord is patient with me too. Okay? Not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. God is waiting for us to wake up, to be warned, so that we may turn and repent. That's the first point, warnings from God. If you are to go against the flow, you have to take serious heed of God. He will warn. He will warn you of your sinful lifestyle. He will convict you. But the second is, after the warning comes number two, walking with God. Everyone say, walk with God. If you're going to be going against the flow, you have to be a counter-cultural Christian. If you're not walking with God, you are a counterfeit Christian. You're a fake Christian. Many people can come to church, they come to D group, they can do all of these Christian things, but not become a true Christian. For you to be a true Christ follower, you have to walk with God. Genesis 6, verse 8 to 9, lets us know on this. It says, Noah found what? Favor. This is the very first occurrence of this word in the entire Bible. And some translations translate favor as none other than grace. Everyone say grace. 
Noah was able to find or receive the grace of God. He found favor in the eyes of the Lord, and these are the records of his generation. Favor here is translated as graciousness, kindness, acceptance, and compassion. You see? Unless we say like the children's books that Noah was a good guy, that's why God gave him a boat and saved him. My dear friends, that's works by salvation. Salvation by works. We have to understand, and I emphasize this, that Noah received the grace of God. And look at that grace transformed him. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Why? Because Noah walked with God. You see, when you encounter the grace of God, that grace changes you. That grace transforms you so much so that you would live differently. He became a righteous man. He became blameless in all of his ways. He was just like all of the world, wicked and sinful. And yet Noah encountered the grace of God and he was never the same again. He went counterflow. He went against the tide. All because he walked with God. My dear friends, are you walking with God today or are you walking with the culture? Because you can walk with the culture, you can be accepted right now, but you can be far away from God. Are you walking closely with God? You see, God could have chosen to wipe out the entire world if He wanted to. But He chose to spare Noah and his family by His grace walk with God dear friends he will give you the grace to be rescued from the world and not only that he will give you the grace to continue in your journey with him that is our walk with God a walk that listens to God obeys God a walk that communicates constantly with God a walk that is intimate with God and so much so if you keep on walking with God all of a sudden, you are changed. You look more like Him day by day. That's why if we go back to Hebrews eleven seven, it says this, that by faith, Noah, he had reverence. Everyone say reverence. The word here is a unique term. It's only used here in the entire New Testament. This is holy fear. This was a reverent fear. God, Noah walked with God because he revered God. He honored God above all. He would rather please God rather than pleasing the world or his friends. He would rather walk with God than to walk with the world. He walked closely with God at every point in his life. He revered God. He was in awe of God. That's the word there, reverence. Now, tingnan po yung katabi niyo. Are they in awe of God? O mukha bang inaantok na? Time to wake up, folks. Let's take our walk with God seriously. And in response to Noah's walk with God, look at what God says in Genesis 6 verse 18. Let's all read this together. I, God says, will what? Establish my covenant with you. And you shall enter the ark, you, your sons, and your wife and your son's wives with you. The word here for covenant, again, 
the very first time that is used in all of Scripture, it means an alliance, an allegiance, a pledge, a promise, an oath. This is God telling Noah, this is my promise to you, Noah. You walk with me, I will establish my covenant with you. Nowadays, many people will say, well, I have a relationship with God. But the way that we use relationship is so flimsy. Diba? Ay, hindi ko na trip eh. Break na kami ng relationship. Hindi. That's not how we treat God. Our relationship with God is a covenantal one. It is a promise. It is an oath taken by God that forever, if you walk with me, I will take care of you. In fact, in the next verses, we will see this seven times repeated. Seven times God says to Noah, I will establish my covenant with you. I will fulfill my covenant with you. I will sustain my covenant with you. This is the sign of my covenant with you. The question is, are you in covenant with God today? Are you in a covenant relationship with God? Are you walking with God? Why? Because if you walk with God, He will never walk out on you. Amen po ba? If you walk with God, I praise Him, guys. He will never walk out on you. He'll never give up on you because you're in a covenant relationship. It is unbreakable. God has your back. He will take care of you. That is the promise for those who walk with God. It's an intimate, close, covenantal relationship with God. So, pause and ponder right now. How's your walk with the Lord today? Is that a good question to ask? How's your walk? Just between you and God. How is your walk today? Rate your walk 1 to 10. 1, non-existent. 10, perfect, God-like, like Enoch, the great-grandfather of Noah. His walk was so intimate with God that God just took him to heaven. Pero wag naman sana 10. Baka mamaya, bigla na lang kayo ma-rapture. Huh? How is your walk with God today? What's your number? 1 to 10. See? Why? Why is it so important for us to know? So that we can know how we can grow. If your relationship with God is at 5, 50, 50, let's take it to 6. How can you grow in your walk with God? Is your walk with God vibrant, intimate, full of life? Or is your walk with God deadening, dull, and deaf? Is your walk with God today the reason that you are awake in the morning? Lord, I want to walk with you today. Show me the way. Or is your walk with God non-existent today? In fact, after that end times conference, I was so convicted to the course, I said, God, Lord, let me walk with you. I want to know you, Lord. I want to worship you all of my days. And soon after that, you know what I did? I walked with God. Literally, I would walk with my five-pound Bible. It was a gift from my brother. It's like a huge Bible. I would walk with that Bible every day, anywhere that I went. Why? Because I had a commitment to God. Lord, as I walk with you, I want to know you. I want to love you. And so in that duration of one year, I brought that Bible around me. My friends thought I was so strange and weird. Boy, look at that party boy. He's now holding a Bible. 
And I walked with God and I read that Bible. One year, I finished it from cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation. And slowly, God transformed this sinful, wretched man. And so much so that I went to a retreat one day. I was, I was totally convicted by God. And the moment that I got back from that retreat, I flushed out all of my drugs in the toilet. And I have been sober from drugs since then. I say this not to boast, but to say that when you walk with God, He'll take care of you. Amen po ba? You walk with God, you communicate with Him, you read His Word, you pray. And, and soon after that, sabi ko, I can't just do this alone. I can't grow on my own. I need to walk with others. So sabi ko, find me, sign me up for a D group. He plugged me into a D group. I grew exponentially. And right after that, there was a church plant near our place in Makati. It was CCF Makati, newly opened that time. Sabi ko, sign me up, pastor. I'm game. I want to walk with God and I want to serve Him, which leads us to our next point. If you are walking with God, number three, God will have you some work to do. Okay? Our third point for today is working for God. First, mornings, you walk with God, and as you walk with God, soon enough, you will be working for God. God has some work for you to do. He has a purpose He wants to fulfill in your life. And what was it for Noah? Can you guess? Let's go back to Hebrews 11, verse 7, and let's all read this. By faith, Noah, in reverence, prepared a what? Again, the ark for the salvation of his household. God, Noah walked with God, and God instructed him to do something. And it was a colossal task. It's a huge task to build an ark. Now, if you read the Bible, now I'll just summarize this, but it's a huge, huge ship. It is about the size of the Titanic. Can you imagine Noah and his family building a, a boat the size almost of the Titanic? And if you just imagine this, this ark would have been the size of about three to four CCF centers. Can you imagine the vastness of this? would have been three to four floors high and would have been a wide, uh, long and lengthy box the size of uh, a football field and a half. That's about three CCF centers. Can you imagine the colossal task that Noah was instructed to do? That's amazing. In fact, God instructs to Noah, number one, make an ark or a chest. It's about to be... 450 feet long, 70 feet wide, 45 feet high. You're to make room inside, cover it with pitch inside and out. You are to enter the ark, you and your sons and their wives. And then you are to bring two or more of every living thing. Now, I can just guess what Noah was thinking. God, is this even possible? Every living creature to bring into this ark? How am I going to catch them? Catch them all. Huh? That's hard. On top of building the ark. And on top of that, what else? Bring food. Enough food and water for my family, for myself, and for all of the animals. 
Man, I could just think of Noah and he was thinking, paano kaya yung ark, paano yung ventilation nito? Daming animals. May pagkain. Anong mangyayari sa pagkain pagkatapos nakain? Hmm. Did God obey? Uh, did Noah obey? Did Noah obey God's instructions? <laughs> In Genesis 6, verse 22, you have to hand it to him. Look at this. Let's all read this together. Thus, Noah did. According to some, all. All that God had commanded him, so he did. Full obedience. Complete obedience. Dear friends, if you walk with God, obedience is a joy. Obedience is not toilsome chore. No, no, no. If you walk with God, you work with God. You will obey all of His instructions. In fact, this is repeated seven times. Again, Noah did this. Noah did what was instructed to him. Seven times throughout the narrative in Genesis 6 to 9, Noah fully obeyed. Now, guess how long it took to build the entire ark? Andiyan na pala. <laughs> 120 years. And some people come to me and say, I've been waiting for so long and God hasn't answered my prayer. Bakit wala pa rin akong partner? Bakit ito yung breakthrough na hinahanap ko? Wala pa rin. Bakit hindi pa rin nangyayari? But it's only been three days. <laughs> Noah waited and worked for how long? 120 years, folks. I could almost imagine there were some days he was thinking to himself, is this really gonna happen? This so-called flood and rain? I haven't seen it, but is this really gonna happen? And he said, yeah, yeah. I believe in God. I'm gonna continue to work. Some of the, 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 the green activists will say, Noah, you're chopping too much trees. No, no, no. This is really gonna happen. God told me I'm gonna work on this. And what's astounding is that after 120 years, Noah's wife stuck with him. Yeah? His wife didn't leave him. Stuck with him. And the kids too. Let's see that as Noah walked with God, there was something in his life as he worked for God, instructed by God, fulfilled, fully obeyed, that there was something about Noah. And finally, after 120 years, the Lord said to Noah, let's all read this together. In Genesis 7, verse 1, Enter the ark, you and all your household. For you alone I have seen to be righteous before me in this time. After 120 years that Noah was building the ark, not one of his neighbors, not one of the people in their city, in their community bothered. God said, you are the only one who's righteous before me. Enter into the ark. And verse 4 says, after seven more days, I will send rain on the earth 40 days and 40 nights, and I will blot out from the face of the land every living thing that I have made. You notice the patience, the long-suffering of God? 120 years, tapos may huling hirit pa. One last week, once seven days. 
I will destroy everything. And so I can just imagine Noah upon being instructed by God. Okay, wait. He looked at his wife. The wife knew. Children and their wives, they look at each other. Yes, let's enter the ark. The animals, they look at each other. Tweet, tweet, tweet. Rar, rar, rar. Ruff, ruff, ruff. They went into the ark. Buti pa yung mga animals. They what? They obeyed God. They went in. This is a miracle of God. But notice, no one else did. For seven entire days, Noah and his family, along with the, all of the animals, were in the ark. Not one single soul bothered to enter into the ark. And so, what happens next? Genesis 7, verse 5 to 8, Noah did according to all that the Lord had commanded him. And on his 600th birthday, grabe 600, no? I wonder if he got a cake. <laughs> on his 600 years old, when the flood of water came upon the earth, then Noah and his sons and their wives with him entered the ark because of the water of the flood. All the animals went into the ark two in twos as God had commanded Noah. And Noah, understand this, look at me now. Noah fully, fully obeyed God by faith even though he did not understand everything yet. How's your obedience today? How's your work for God? When God tells you to do something, do you question Him? You say, Noah. In fact, in this narrative alone, you will see God speaks and not a word is uttered by Noah. He just does the work. He just completely obeys. How is your obedience towards God? When God tells you something through His word, do you fully obey God or do you delay? Do you compromise? Do you partially obey? Noah fully obeyed. He worked out all of these things. And it came about, Genesis 7 verse 10 says, it came about after seven days that the water of the flood came upon the earth. And verse 11, in the 600th year of Noah's life, the great deep burst open. There's enough evidence for us to suggest that underneath the crust of the earth, there's a huge reservoir of water. And this Genesis 6 says, 7 says, it all burst open from beneath, from below. Many, many scholars say this would have been a massive wave of tsunami-like proportions, all of a sudden blowing up from the bottom of the ocean depths. And not only that, the floodgates of the sky were opened. Not only do you have this tsunami-like proportion of water rising from below, you have from above unstopping rain. An outpouring of water. The rain fell upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. It flooded the entire world. And it's at this point that Genesis 7.16 records that those that entered, male and female of all flesh, entered as God had commanded him, and the Lord closed it behind him. Who is it that closed the ark? Uh, hindi sila nagbato-bato. Ikaw na lang, ha? 
uh, was God who closed in the ark, fully securing all that had entered the ark. It was God who secured that one entrance into the ark and closed it. In other translations, the Lord shut them in, secured them. And so this tells us that there will soon come a day that God will close the door. He opens us. He invites everyone to come so that they may enter into the ark. But there will come one day when the ark will be closed, when he will judge instead of save. And that's why in the New Testament, Matthew 7 warns us. Again, it says, enter. Let's all read this together. Enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are a few who find it. In other portions of Matthew, it says that the end of the world, the second coming, will be just like the days of Noah. People will be eating, drinking, getting into marriage, and then it will come just like that. Will you be ready then? Will you be sick? The floodwaters came, and finally Noah saw the work of his hands, the work that he did for God with the ark floating. Notice, the ark didn't have any navigational, no rudder, no sails. Who was navigating it? It was God. That's why the old hymn says, He's got the whole world in His hands. And even this ship, God was the one maneuvering it through the flood waters. And the Bible records that this flood came upon the entire world. So much so that it was higher than the highest mountains. Do you imagine that this ark floated on the water? And you can finally see it. It's not just this wonderful children's story of all the animals, the cute animals entering the ark with Noah and his family. But you can almost see all of the people who did not enter in, drowning in the flood. Genesis 7.21 says, All flesh that moved on the earth perished. Of all that was on the dry land in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life, they all died. And thus God blotted out every living thing that was upon the face of the land. And only Noah was left together with those that were with him in the ark. And the waters that flooded the earth prevailed for 150 days. They were afloat on the ark, safe and secure. And God, as Genesis 8 verse 1 says, God remembered what? Noah. God was mindful of Noah. I have a covenant with Noah. He walked with me. He worked with me. And therefore, I will be faithful to him. And it's at this point that the narrative changes. All of a sudden, the water subsided. The fountains of the deep and the floodgates of the sky were closed. And the rain from the sky was restrained. And another 150 days, the waters subsided. My dear friends, it's in this third point that we must see our role as we walk with God. 
You know, Philippians 2 verse 12 says, Continue to work out your salvation. With what? With fear and trembling. Why? For it is God who what? Who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. If Noah just said, Okay now as I walk with God, I won't work on this ark anymore. He would have perished too. His family would have perished too. See, we have a part in this. God will work in and through us as we work out all of these things pertaining to salvation. We have to exert effort. We have to do our part. So at this point, before I come and wrap up with the last point, let me just do this self-check quickly with you all. Are you working out your salvation today with fear and trembling? Are you doing your part as you walk with God, as you obey Him fully? Let's let's do the self-check, okay? If you are not concerned for the work of God, it doesn't bother you. Or number two, if you have no time in the Word of God, this is a red flag. Or number three, if you have a stale prayer life that you are almost always distracted, that's a red flag. That's a warning sign. If you have half-hearted commitment or if you compromise your values, that's a red flag, dear friends. What's more is if there's no transformation or change in your life, there's something wrong. Or if there's no urgency to share the gospel. My dear friends, we have to look into our lives to see and check if we are doing our part. Noah worked and he did it so that his whole family would be rescued. And it's at this point that we come to the last point today. If we go against the flow, if we go against the tide, if we are to be countercultural Christians, we need to witness about God. Noah witnessed about God. His main mission was to point people to God. In Hebrews 11 verse 7, look at this. By faith Noah, he condemned the world by his very life, by his very actions, his very words. And the Bible records him, he became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Wala nang nakinig sa kanyang ibang tao. Only his family did. And that's why 2 Peter 2.5 calls him, look at this, but preserve Noah. What is he? Let's all read this together. A preacher of righteousness. And when seven others, he brought a flood upon the world. Those seven others were his family. So get this, Noah by day would work on the ark and by night he would witness He would walk with God, he would work on the ark, and he would witness about God. No one in the world listened to him, no one entered the ark, but he was faithful to preach, and preach he did. And only his family was saved. My dear friends, I'm going to emphasize this right now. If you are the leader, if you are the husband of your wife, if you are the father of your family, get this, you have a responsibility to preach to your family about the gospel of God. It is incumbent upon you 
just as Noah did, he witnessed about God. Yes, he witnessed out there, but first he witnessed inside his household. This is our calling as men, dear friends. Men of God, are you here with me today? Are you on board with this? Men of God, can I hear any of you here? That you will take up that responsibility that God has given you just like Noah did? He witnessed, engaged his family. He was a preacher of righteousness. He pointed them to God. And so Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I want to quote this. It's fantastic. He says, your life as a Christian should make non-believers question their disbelief in God. There was something about the way that Noah lived that engaged his family. So much so that they entered into the ark. It's at this point that after all of the flood, after all of the ark experience, in Genesis 8, 15 to 17, God again spoke to Noah and he said, go out of the ark, you and your wife, your sons, their wives, and bring out every living thing that they may breathe abundantly on the earth and be, let's all read this together, be fruitful and multiply. God was creating or recreating a new world in which Noah and his family would thrive and would flourish. It's all because he imparted to them, he witnessed about God to them. And we get from the story that, God, that Noah built an altar to the Lord, that Noah sacrificed on that altar, and that in response to that altar, God said in Genesis 9, I will once again establish my covenant with you. This is the sign of the covenant. Verse 13, I will set a bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. It shall come about when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow will be seen in the cloud and I will remember my covenant. This is none other than the rainbow. God sets a beautiful rainbow upon the earth. And this is really the shape of a bow and arrow. Do you notice that? Yung pana. When a warrior would go home, it's peacetime, the warrior would hang his bow on his wall. Indicating that there was peace. There's no war. He would place the bow on his wall and it would signify peace. And this is the same that God did. I will place my rainbow upon the earth. And this will signify that I will never again flood the earth. That there is peace. All because of Noah following after God. You see? He witnessed about God. And God bore testimony through the life of Noah. So again, pause and ponder right now as we wrap up our message. What has the Lord done in my life that is worth sharing? Has God delivered me and my family from problems, from challenges? Who do I need to witness about God this week? And dear friends, let me emphasize this, especially to our family, to our loved ones. We need to point them to God. We need to share of God's faithfulness in our midst. I want to, as we 
wrap up this time, I want to just play this testimony of a man who lived like the world, and yet he eventually encountered God in a special way. I want this testimony to bless you, to inspire you, that you can go against the flow. Let's watch this video recording of Joey Hernandez of CCF Rojas. Growing up was really challenging since my parents had separated when I was just six years old. It was just my dad raising me and my older sister. My dad was always busy working on his business in Roja City, one of which was a college. I resented my father and started to rebel. My dad considered himself a Christian but lived a double life. Following my dad's example, I too lived a double life. While studying in a far city, my college life consisted of partying, getting drunk, smoking two packs a day, and womanizing. Our barcada or group of friends at that time was called RGG or Red Horse Gabi Gabi. After university, I got married to Vicky, my high school best friend and then girlfriend of seven years. But because I thought I was living the good life and did not walk with God, our marriage soon had a lot of issues and was falling apart. On top of that, my dad was diagnosed with prostate cancer. When he shared to us the news, my sister cried. I was just silent, and in my mind, I was saying, you deserve that. But I pretended I was also devastated. Eventually, my dad turned away from his sinful lifestyle, and in complete surrender, he recommitted to follow and serve the Lord. He even initiated an early morning Bible study in our college, along with some pastors. I saw the transformation in his life, but I still refused to take any part in what he was doing for the Lord and continued to live in sin. After a few years, my dad's doctors explained to us that he had contracted a rare type of blood infection. He was in the ICU, already intubated, and was unable to speak. He waved his hand at me to come closer, and with his alphabet board, he pointed at the letters P, R, O, U, and D, and looked at me with tears in his eyes and patted me on the back. After that, he just closed his eyes, fell asleep, and he never woke up. After his death, I was automatically in charge of the morning Bible study, but still my heart was hardened because of my selfish desires, influence from peers, and the sins that I was still indulged in. I distracted and immersed myself in the world, splurging on cars, accessories, and designed a large house fit for partying. During this time, my relationship with my wife was at its worst. I used to verbally abuse her, and my biggest regret was I sometimes couldn't hold back my temper and would physically hurt her. Despite this, she remained faithful to the Lord and never stopped praying for me. God eventually got my attention and let me face the consequences of my selfish actions. I met a certain group of people from Manila who were in the car business and other merchandise. I invested millions in their products and vehicles only to find out a year later that it was all a scam. I lost everything that week, even our closest friends. The only person who was there for me was my wife. She prayed for me, 
and I surrendered my life to God that very night. The following month, we were invited to attend a discipleship group in Iloilo City to meet Pastor Robbie and Tita Zeni Santos. They intentionally prayed for us, mentored us, and helped us both start our walk with the Lord together as husband and wife. Every day since then, our love for each other grew. I had joy and peace that I've never experienced before. When we got back to Rojas, we started a small group of four couples mixed with a few singles and with two of my RGG buddies. Almost all of them are now Christians. We are no longer Red Horse Gabi Gabi, but RGG, redeemed by God's grace. Vicky and I continued to serve the Lord together as a husband and wife team here in Rojas. Last March 26, 2023, we were launched as an official CCF satellite. Please pray for us as we continue to expand God's work here in Rojas. My name is Joey Hernandez. It is all by God's grace that we are here today. To God be all the glory. Isn't God amazing? Hallelujah. God can do wonderful, amazing things. So long as we what? What's the main message for today? Some of you have forgotten already. What? Go against the flow. And just like Joey, at first he was living a worldly lifestyle, but he went against it. Why? Again, let's go back to our closing verse, Hebrews 11, verse 7. By faith, Noah was warned by God. Everyone say warning. He's warned by God. And in reverence, he walked with God. Everyone say walk with God. And finally, as he walked with God, he what? He was working with God. He prepared the ark of salvation for his household. And finally, he witnessed. He condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness. All because he went or go against the flow. My dear friends, today we have this opportunity before us to go against the flow. If you've been walking with the world, maybe perhaps today God is letting you wake up. God is warning you that there will be a judgment to come. It's in the Bible, dear friends. I would not want anyone to come under that judgment of God because God will deal with evil and sin. And today, God is calling upon us to walk with Him. And in the days of Noah, get this, God saves one man and judges the world. But I want to talk to you today about a greater person by which God judges one man in order to save the world. Ultimately, we can talk about how the principles of Noah's life can teach us to live in a rightful way, and rightly so. But today, I want to pinpoint and close this message by pointing to the greater Noah. And that is none other than Christ Jesus. He was the one man who was righteous. He was the one man who is righteousness himself. And through his righteousness, the world was given a chance. And today, that chance is given to you. Why? Because ultimately, the ark of Noah foreshadows the cross of Christ. 
in that only those who enter in will be saved and secure. Are you today in the ark, the ultimate ark of salvation? Are you in Christ today? See, ultimately, it all hinges upon the person and the work of Christ. He died so that we may live. He was righteousness himself so that like Noah, who was imparted the righteousness of God, his family was saved. And right now, because of the righteousness of Christ, we too can become the family of God. And that is the greater Noah, dear friends. That is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As Thessalonians shares, Jesus who rescues us from the wrath of God to come. Ultimately, there are only two types of people here. Those who are still living in their sinful ways. And you are still under the wrath of God. Versus those who are in Christ, in the ark, secured and sealed. And the Bible tells you this in verse 9. For God has not, let's all read this together. God has not destined us for what? For wrath, but for what? Obtaining salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ who died for us so that whether we are asleep or awake, we will live together with Him. Ultimately, that is the question that we have today. Ultimately, God in Christ desires to save those who would turn to Him. The question is, is that you today? Are you willing to take heed of the warnings of God, to walk with God, to work with God, and to witness about God in this wicked world today? Are you willing to take that one step of faith in order to follow God when everything else in the world will forsake you? Are you willing to enter in and have that communion with Christ Jesus? Today, we have a very special opportunity to do that. We have the Lord's Supper. And this indicates to us what Christ did 2,000 years ago. How He lived a perfect and sinless life. Only to die on the cross to pay for our penalty of sin took our place on that cross so that we would be spared from the wrath of God. And today, before anything else, as we bow our heads and just wind down this time once again in prayer, I want to give you this opportunity to come to terms with God today. Maybe today you came in here you're far from God, you do, you do not know God, you don't have a relationship with God. And maybe today this message has spoken to your heart. If that is so, I want to pray for you and I want to pray with you. That today you would enter into Christ. And that Christ would enter into your life. That you would be made new. So much so that the Bible says, whoever is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. 
If that's you today, if you are willing to walk with God, I want to pray for you. With every head bowed down, with every eye closed in this room today, if that is you, I want to pray for you. Can you just raise your hand right now, just between you and God? If you want to have that relationship with Christ today, if you want to be secure, delivered from this wickedness, from our sinfulness, that today you would surrender your very life to Christ. Let me pray with you. Please, God, I see those hands. Keep them up. I want to pray for you right now. Each and every one who is doing this act of faith right now, just like Noah, surrendered his life to God, even if it didn't make sense. Oh, Lord, you see all of the hands raised in this room. And indeed, you are so patient with us not wanting anyone to perish but to repentance so that they may obtain eternal life and today lord for those who have raised their hand i know that you see their hearts you know where they're coming from you know their current disposition and so today pray with me dear friend as we say this together to the lord jesus lord jesus forgive me for my sin I surrender my life to you today. I enter upon the cross. And I am forgiven by your grace. Today, I receive the wonderful gift of eternal life. Will you change me? you allow me to walk faithfully with you Lord to work with you for whatever you instruct me to do and to witness about you to all my family to all my friends oh Lord today I enter in to the ark of salvation Christ is my Lord my Savior my King my Master the reason why I live. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And today we pray for all of us here that we would indeed go against the flow. No matter how this world tugs at us to go opposite, I pray that we would walk faithfully with God, that you would give us the courage, the conviction to live our lives, not for our own sake, but for your sake, O oh Lord, for your glory, for your honor, that we may invite people in, that we may call upon people to come to Jesus. Grant us the power of the Holy Spirit so, Lord, we would be known as people who walk with God, as people who are Christ-like. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We praise you today. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. And everyone say, Amen. And if you've made that declaration today, we invite you to join in this Lord's Supper. This is a commemoration of what Christ did. As the scripture says in Matthew 26, while they were eating, Jesus took some bread. And right now, we're passing all of the elements. If you prayed today to receive Christ in your life, then you can partake of this.
Jesus took some bread and after a blessing, after a prayer of thanksgiving, He broke it and He gave it to the disciples. And then He said, take and eat. This is my body. The bread symbolizes what Christ would endure, that His body would be broken for our sake. And in the following verses, He says, He gave it, He had taken a cup, he had given thanks and he gave it to them. Again, the juice is being passed around. If you do not yet have the elements, you can raise your hand. Our ushers will give you. And then he said, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant. This is for those who partake in this covenant relationship with Christ. That it would symbolize his spilt blood on the cross is poured out for the forgiveness of sins finally he says in verse 29 I say to you I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it anew with you in my father's kingdom ultimately Jesus is our greater Noah one day he will return and we will enjoy this meal together with him but today we do this in remembrance of the finished work of the Lord. Why don't we just pause right now in silence as we prepare our hearts to partake of the bread and to partake of the juice. And if you are ready, why don't you rise to your feet? Why don't you stand up? Together as one spiritual family of God, as we commemorate and as we celebrate the wonderful cross, the ark of our salvation, we give thanks, Lord, for your victory, for your freedom, for eternal life. Let us partake of the bread. Let us partake of the juice. And right now, let's give thanks to the Lord. Oh, Father God, we praise you, we worship you, we honor you, we glorify you this day. Thank you that we are safe and secure within the ark of our salvation, Christ Jesus our Lord. We give you back all the glory as we sing our praises unto you, as we declare by faith that we are yours, that we will walk with you, that we will forever be with you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We pray this in his glorious and majestic name. Amen and amen. We'd love to stay connected with you, so make sure to subscribe to our podcast or connect with an Elevate group through our website. See you at our next podcast.